From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. Right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios. Back after a few days gone. Joining me on the other end of the line, Double R, Ramsey Russell. Rocky, over the you, co- sir? I appreciate you taking over the controls while I was out attending to State Fair and 4-H and... Man, yeah. Uh, big school reunion that had to help put on, but I appreciate that again. Man, it's my pleasure. You know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't no big deal. It's like, uh, being on the phone with Ira, shoot, it don't take any effort, man. He, he got a story and golly, what a great guy to talk to. That was, that was a pleasure. Always a pleasure to get on the phone with him, you know, but anyway. Yeah, man, I'm I'm back in between trips, and uh, Canada was awesome, and I, I can't wait for a few weeks. Y'all hear about, I've, I've been to Ontario four or five times, good Canada goose hunting, but I've never been to this part of Ontario. Somebody asked me last week in an inbox, you know, hey, you travel all over the world. I mean, how often do you see something like that? I said, I'm 53 years old, and I have never seen anything like that, ever seen anything like that. What made it so different? Because, you know, you see a lot of Canada geese anywhere in Canada you go, but you got the bigs and the littles and the mediums. These were bigs. I believe they're interior, but they were bigs. And the density and the number of them was astounding. And, like, I was talking to a a buddy of mine probably, uh, oh, you know, Ontario's kind of long and skinny runs east and west, and I was talking to somebody probably four-hour drive time, five-hour drive time to the west, and he was talking about how how different it was in the Ottawa Valley versus there because, you know, where he is over on the western side, they'll set up all the time, you know, on a 100 to 100 bird feed, and these guys won't even slow down for, for twice that many, ten times that many. Rocky, one day, the feeds we were going in to hunt numbered between five and 7,000 big Canada geese. And we went in one day. All three mornings were spectacular. But one morning, I'll never forget. If I live to be a million years old, I will never forget that morning when so many birds coming in. And he explained, you know, as many birds as it is, I think we can knock this field out, just knock out our limits, everybody shoot their five birds, and then we'll get out of here quick. Even time around, I don't know, 7 o'clock. 
7.30, we were done. Three volleys. Plus, we shot four or five snow geese and Ross geese. I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. It was just unbelievable. But before we could shift gears and get out of there, another another big slug up started coming in. So we sat there for 20 minutes while 2,500 big Canada geese swarmed that little 20-acre 20 20 acre field. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then and then we were all hidden, very well hidden in a blind, and he sent his dog out. They just kind of got up and left like a coyote was chasing or something. No big deal. And we we freaking took a few pictures and got those decoys loaded up as quick as we could and pulled out. You know, it was like two 10-acre fields. We went the lengthways and got out to the blacktop, and he had to answer a text. And before he finished that text on blacktop, it was 8 o'clock. We started shooting at 7. We had shot our four respective limits of Canada geese, packed up, gotten out, and there were already geese starting to hit that field again. But to sit there under about 2,500 big Canada geese swarming was the most amazing thing. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen in Canada geese hunting. I've seen a lot of birds. Normally when you shoot big geese, it is small, small flocks, 100, 150, 200, 300. Nothing like what I saw, I, and I, I, there did nothing like I, I. I know in one afternoon scouting, we went to five or six different feeds. I know I, I, I laid eyes on thirty thousand Canada geese. It was unbelievable. And we're talking, we're talking an area of fifteen square miles. Never seen wow. anything like it. It was incredible. And all the birds, what it is, it's all those birds coming off the Arctic, and they stayed right there in that part. It's, it's right, right between the uh, the Saint Lawrence. And the Ottawa Rivers, and then there's a, a tributary off of St. Lawrence, uh, the Rebo River, that runs right through that community. And all the agriculture is centered around dairy production. So you've got corn and soybeans, but then you've got corn, a lot of corn produced just for, say, silage or something. So it's just a tremendous amount of goose rich. And this is all the birds that are handed, ha- heading down to, like, Pennsylvania and Delmarva, up in that area, Chesapeake Bay up in that area. This is all their birds staging. It was fabulous. It was just incredible. And um, Ryan Reynolds well, had, came, and he he and I had a great conversation. Well, you had Forrest with you. What 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 was going Shoot. through Forrest's mind? Smiling the whole time. You know, it's good when you take a young guy like that, and he would he would sit out of volley to take pictures. He he and I he 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 noticed. I didn't. He noticed that at no time in three days did he and I hardly ever shoot at the same time where there were three of us or four or five of us in the blind, you know, at one point or the other, he might be shooting his, you know, while and I was filming or and he was, so we just, you know, when you got that many birds, you can just enjoy it and take, you know, sit out of volley and take a few pictures or video knowing you're going, you're going, you got plenty of time to get your next two or three geese. It's good. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And uh, I, I, I really hadn't been that excited. We're already going back. We, we've already planned a trip uh, for next year, and we're, we're actually going to film. We're actually going to film this hunt next year for sure, and uh, go back with Ryan, and uh, probably going to team up with our guest tonight on the podcast, Brandon Sarecki and, and his son, and uh, have, yeah. have, have a little father and son hunt right, right there, you know, and, and just it, and, and make a nice little story about it. Speaking of Brandon. And 
talking about a brand that is blowing up. Them and Boss Ammo. Oh, good it's, night. It's blown yeah. up. It's blown up. It, it, it blew up. It, 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 you know, and it's like a, you know, golly, I, I, I really, I kind of sort of remember how I came into contact with Brandon and how we became friends quickly. And it's like, right, it's even before their launch this year, I became aware of it. You know, an outfitter, a mutual friend of mine and Brandon's, and he was asking me, did I, was I aware of it last year? I'm like, no, I never, never heard of it. He said, oh, man, you want, you need to get your hands on some of this stuff. I said, really? Gosh, I said, no, 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 no. It, the business ain't about, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't business. It's this. Business, I'm, I'm talking, but it ain't about that it's about this ammo you really you know and so break break you know a few weeks later i'm on my little northern tier of 2018 tour and i go through uh somewhere around ramsey minnesota and and, and stop and have lunch with uh zach of wild deer and we go out to his truck to get something and he got those drawers you know that that um one of them truck vaults and the bed of his truck and he pulled out a drawer and I see these beautiful red boxes. I said, hey, is that that? That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Take a couple of boxes. So he gave me a couple. And I was impressed. I'm like, wow. Two little two, three quarter inch shells. Wow. I, I was impressed. And I had to tighten up the choke a little bit but I'm like, wow, this is this is nice. Sure beats steel shot. No more three and a half inch shells for double R. And you know, it was something that I talked to Brandon and I talked to people about it and kind of, you know, leading up into the launch and everything else. I couldn't put my finger on what it was about the brand that just resonated with me, it made me vibrate. And I, I couldn't articulate that until last week, really, truly, last week, until I, you know, Passing through, had to pick up this char dog. She was about 30 minutes away from Brandon. Brandon said, hey, come spend the night. You know, we, we went out and ate fish and, uh, and recorded this little interview. And uh, it was just something he said along the way that I just I realized in that, in that moment what it was that, that attracted me to the boss brand like a moth to a flame. And it is. It is. I, I, I've shot it neck-to-neck comparison against lead down in Mexico. I took I took some copper plated down to Argentina this year and just, you know, honest apple to apple comparison with lead. Smoked it. All the locals all the all the bird boys at that Rios Lotto were talking about El Jefe, the boss, El Jefe. I was sitting there shooting one morning and I had a bunch of lead, you know, in my bag. I brought a box of balls. I took it out and strung up my belt real quick while he was out picking up birds or something. And then just, you know, mixed it in. I, I done kind of dialed in for the morning. I started shooting it. And I could hear Johnny Feltovich back behind me filming for Jake. I could hear I could hear Johnny making oohs and ahs. You know, I call them sex noises. And, and my guide would see the duck get hit and look at me and look back at the duck. He kept doing that, and and he kind of threw his hands up like, "What the heck?" And I took out the 
took one off my belt and showed it to him. And, you know, he, he can't read English, can't speak English. I said, El Jefe, the boss, El Jefe. He said, ah, oh, si, si, El Jefe, Americano? I said, si, Americano. Boom, loaded it up, shot more ducks. And it was choking him, son. It was, it was, it was like a wrecking ball hitting them ducks compared to lead. All things equal, it was like a wrecking ball hitting that bird. And I went back to camp. A little bit later, as I'm walking around, you know, doing things, all the all the staff is talking about El Jefe, El Jefe, El Jefe. It, it was all around. You know, a few weeks later, about a month later, Lee Chose was down there, and we went back to back and was meeting with the bird boys on some different stuff. And I ended up telling how many thousands of carton box, you know, shell boxes they throw away in the course of a year. There's no telling. And, um, but I noticed, and Lee did too, right above the sink, they had saved that box of balls or, you know, souvenir or whatever. And that, that, that made me think. But, you know, so the ammo is superior. But it, it's, it's what Brandon Sarecki and his staff, it's what they are bringing to the market besides, in my opinion, the highest quality control, the best ammo at the best price. It, it's, it's the narrative. It's the message that I realize resonates with me at a lot of different levels, Rocky. And, you know, if you keep up with me a little bit, if you if you if I were to read some of the uh, hunts we do around the world, Argentina or wherever, 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 you know, you, you kind of see that to me a duck hunt is a duck hunt. It's it, the, the place, the the geography where you are that that gives it a lot of context. And I really think having spent some time with Brandon, who I value as a friend in the truest sense. Um, tremendous amount of respect I have for him. He, he's one of the most sincere people I've ever met, but he's also one of the smartest and hardest working I have ever met. I I I, I feel like a gross underachiever in his presence. This guy wakes up at six thirty in the morning, and he is full steam ahead, hitting on all eight cylinders. We stay up till till one thirty at night, like we do talking. He ain't wound down one bit. He's that guy. And um, but you know, to give it a little context, I learned a little something up there about Michigan this year. <clears throat> it means something to me. But you know, when they were way back when disputing the boundaries of all these states in that part of the world, there became a little battleground. I can't remember what they called that war, but it became a battleground over Ohio. And, and uh, between Ohio and what became Michigan. And it had to do with transportation, river access, commerce, all that good stuff. And politics being what they were, Ohio won out. I think it was Toledo, Ohio, they were, they were fighting over. The Toledo War, they called it. No shots fired, but just pretty dang ugly. And in exchange for that area, they ceded to the state of Michigan the, quote, worthless, unquote, upper peninsula, up, you know, UP, 
which everybody just thought was just a wasteland, until they found huge iron deposits and some of the best pure copper deposits maybe in the world. Super valuable. Now, in addition to all this mineral wealth, iron, copper, we also got the Great Lakes shipping, moving all that all that stuff. Well, here come here comes here comes a man named Henry Ford. Here comes General Motors. Whole industries, big industries built up around this whole in that part of the world. And you know, Rocky. <clears throat> Middle class was born just after World War II. All those soldiers came home, they got jobs, blah, blah, blah. It was a big burden. The good old days, the happy days of America were, were when it went, when you went from two classes to three. And that middle class became huge. And it had a lot to do with states like Michigan and working opportunities and assembly lines. And, and auto worker unions, that whole nine yards. I read one time that the largest employer of Americans at one time, back in those days, was General Motors. And in today's dollars, about 20 to 25 bucks an hour they made. The largest employer today, Walmart. And pay hovers around, whatever, eight bucks an hour. That's a big difference on a total American economy now. So just bear with me on this. You know, a lot of industry moved in, a lot of labor, a lot of organized labor, a lot of that kind of think tank. And what I see in a business like Boss relates back to that. And when I hear Brandon talk about his employees, not as little minions of people, but his families. A, a real fidelity. When I hear him talk about um, employees that have been working you know, for his third-generation-owned business 30 years, until they retire forever, you know, it, it's just a different different way of thinking he doesn't he doesn't boss them he leaves them that's what i say he 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 leaves them you know well, and, and the time i'm at boss I, I just can't imagine one of the big boys quote unquote and whatever emulating this my friend Brandon, he, he puts his fingers on every single all day long he touches every aspect of that product the copper plating to this to that the the, the manufacture the, the formation of of the shot itself the the, the i mean it just he's like a blur he, he's going from here to 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 here out there doing it to it and, and it's just you know utter utter quality control Utter quality control, and and y'all pay attention during his conversation because you know we talk we start off trying to talk about you know kind of how the business came about, how the idea came about, where he started with it, 
man, he he really takes a takes a turn about I'm gonna say about midway through that conversation becomes personal, real personal, personal commitment to the people that buy his product. Number one day, the number one day they, they sell ammo is Thursdays. He knows, and he mentions the significance of Thursdays to him, the man that writes paychecks. And because of that, it, it motivates him to to, ab, to deliver absolute best to that person that believed in him. And, and you know, their whole their whole thing, Rocky, has been missing it. Just bear with me. You know, a lot of us people listening are old enough to remember the lead days. We all shot lead. You know, back in the lead days, I was a pretty young man. I shot a twenty gauge. My grandfather gave me his twelve gauge, eleven hundred. He was done duck hunting. I gave that 20 gauge to a cousin. I got it back since. But two and three, they were, they were all chambered for two and three quarter inch shells. Just kind of how I hunted some, how we hunted. I shot two and three quarter inch, seven and a half and sixes. That's what I shot. We were, we were, you know, factory modified. The whole barrel was modified, not to choke, the whole barrel. There's plenty. Or I dare shot at a duck. It was plenty. Then along came steel. All the warnings of this newfangled stuff said, don't shoot at those guns. It'll make them bulge. It'll tear them up. We saw a lot of that stuff 30 years ago, floating around, you know, and hearing about it. And, uh, and steel shot today is not steel shot yesteryear. I mean, it's a lot better than it was. Still, still shot. Take it from somebody that travels around the world and gets to shoot lead. That that heavier shot is better than that. It's way better than steel shot. It just is, and and it always will be. I don't care, you know. But 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 to compensate for lighter steel, which is thirty six percent density of lead, you know. Energy equals function of speed and mass. Well, you lost two-thirds of your mass. So let's increase the speed. And when everybody shoot three inch, oh, God, that ain't enough. Let's do three and a half inch. I, I, Rocky, I'm really serious. I, I'm, I'm surprised we ain't got ammo the size of players to stick off on these guns now. You know, because, because it, 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 and, and it took over. All, the, all these different, Perversions, speed, three and a half inches, man. That, that with, with flying, what? What, what is it? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen hundred feet per second. Kicks like a, a mule, tears up guns, knocks fillings out, tears retinas loose. It's nuts. But it's not just that. It, it's how somehow in marketing. That is better than what was before that. It's just taking a life of its own to where shoot a bird off the Sputnik. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like it's like you're you're kind of inducing the average guy to think he can overcompensate 
for skill or lack of skill with technology, faster, bigger, a different shape, bigger size, this, that, another. And along comes this little ammo company with the kind of passion and quality and commitment Brandon has and that Lee has, that their small staff have, and says, no. Shoot this, two and three quarter inches. 1,350 feet per second, 1,450 feet per second. I took those two and three quarter inch little five shorties, they call them, down to Argentina. And stroked it, son. El Jefe. Now, I took some up to Canada, fours and fives. When's the last time it even you even conceived of going snow goose hunting with two and three quarter inch five or four? Not since, not, 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 not in many people's lifetime. We've been told, oh, heck no, you need a three inch or a three and a half inch. You got to shoot 1750 and you got to, you know, risk tearing a cornea loose to kill a snow goose. No. What I realized is, in, in becoming friends with Brandon, you know, their message and what they're bringing to the market is not just a superior shell and make no mistake about it it is superior and if you see the love the person go into each load you realize that everything the powder the, the wads the primer the brass the plastic everything is the best they can do it oh get the middleman you want a copper plate that costs more we'll eat that We'll just make a better shell for the public. When's the last time you saw a business do something like that? You know what I'm saying, Rocky? But 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 beyond the best shell, you know, they're 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 what they're what the message they're sending to the hunters is skill. Play a better game. Shoot responsibly. Know your know your know your distance. With it. And you get a little bit of distance out of this stuff here, right? If you choke it right, forty yards in a heartbeat. Or if you got it, clean kills. Know your shot. Clean kills because you've got you've got a product that'll do it. Pattern density. Pattern your gun so you know your shot. That's their message, Rocky. Pattern it. Know your shot. Shoot responsibly. Clean kills. Ultimately, respect. For hunting traditions, for the resource, and that I realized what sucked me into the brand. It's the best shell, great. That's just that's just a byproduct, great. I get I get to shoot the best shell. The money difference is inconsequential. Trust me. You can't take you can't well. take you can't take you can't take your family out to eat dinner at Chick Fil A. For what, for what the difference is, apples to apples, and that that that's 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 so you know, it sounds. Somebody asked me that last night in social media. Am I? You sure you ain't paid by them? Heck no. Y'all know me. I don't I don't accept that stuff. I don't play that game. I'm passionate about it because I use it. I believe in it. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about them. And I'm passionate. I'm very passionate about the message 
that they are sending out to the hunting community. Well, Ramsey, we need to get to that interview with Brandon now. Thank you again for joining me before you go out of town. I, I appreciate and I appreciate you doing this interview with Brandon while you were with him. We're going to get back on the horn, me and Brandon are. You watch. All right, brother. Well, let's get to that interview with him now. This is Ramsey Russell, GetDucks.com, where it's duck season somewhere. I'm driving back to Mississippi after an incredible month up in the northern tier, and I'm sitting on the back patio with my friend Brandon Sarecki of Boss Shot Shells. Have y'all heard of this ammo yet? Because if you hadn't, you need to. Old school from the, from the day is long. The good old days are now. Brandon, how are you today? Now we're hanging in. Huh? Are you are you are you as busy in person as you seem uh, online? I would agree with that. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. It, it, it seems it seems really to have uh, to have blown up. Just just maybe even just the last month since I saw you last. Anybody that's I think knows me knows that. I love working, and uh, it's been fun. I can't lie. You know, my, my wife says, when are you going to stop working? This is aggravating. I never get time, you and the family, this and that. So I just take the kids to work with me on the weekends, and we still get our family time in, but it, it's, uh, it's a blast, i got to tell you. I I'm, 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 can't believe how quickly it's taken off, and... All the good stuff we're doing, it's it's been really fun. Well, because busy is good. I'm a business owner. It's like it's like when I'm not busy is when is when it's not fun. Right. Well, I'm always working. Whether or not I'm doing boss or whatever, I'm always I'm always working. I never shut it off. I fall asleep at night. My eyes get tired. I'm on my phone researching or reading, and it's not watching TV or news or anything like that. I'm I'm taking deep dives into stuff. You know, whether it's shotgun shells or ballistics or aerodynamics or whatever it is i kind of get geeky from time to time but you're not you're not just a what 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 gathers me is you're not just a shot shell manufacturer you you've got a lot of depth to you i mean it it, is when how long have you been making shot shells and how did it start started when i was in seventh grade and well actually goes further back my first memory as a kid was I was in the playroom of my, the house I was, came up, you know, when I was a baby, and my dad had a workbench with a reloading press and this old bar stool on it, you know, in the, in the maintenance room, and my playroom was right next to it, so this had been, it was snowing out, and he was down there playing with his machine, and I was playing with my toys. I couldn't have been four or five years old, but it was on that same press that I learned to load shells on when I was in sixth grade and then started doing all my own hand loads for me and my son and did all the prototype loads with uh with boss on and that that loader and table still at the shop today and i sit on that that bar stool every single day when i'm whether i'm cutting on forcing cones or putting shells together or thinking about what i got to get done i'm on that on that chair i remember i remember uh how i heard about ball shot shells was last year I was hunting with Matt Shower. I don't know how how it came up, but he started talking about a client of his that had this wicked new load, 
that that uh, he said, man, when you get your hands on it, you need to you need to shoot it. I'm like, well, what is it? He said, boss, something. I said, well, what is it? He goes, I it it, it hits duck. I, I you know it's good. And he was explaining that the the first time he'd seen you, uh, it was like literally just your hand loads. Mm-hmm. Like literally, just, you, you've been sitting at that bench and, and turning hand loads. I'm at and press. Then, and then, uh, how did it go from that to this? How, how, I mean, what what happened that you were loading shells, and all of a sudden now you're loading you're loading uh, machine? You know, in this factory you've got here, loading shells for everybody, and that now it's the hottest brand in the outdoor industry. How how did that happen? <laughs> well, I told you I'm a workaholic, and I've I've had other businesses that I started and ran, you know, alongside parallel with my main family-owned business, third generation that I, I own now. And uh, I got involved in a project, started it up, ran it for a year, big-time metal finishing operation, sold it off, and I told my wife I was going to take a year off and only work one full-time job. So we got about, that would have been April. That about three weeks later, we were getting ready to go snow goose hunting with Matt in Northern Skies. And uh, she told me that, I need to come up with something to do. This is the second time around. Went up with Matt for two snow goose seasons down in Jonesboro. Or cash. So uh, I load up shells and, and I guess let me backtrack. First time we went up, I was taking my son who's, he was just turned seven. And I wanted him shooting something that he could actually kill birds with. And a 410 for his yeah. skill level wasn't going to do it. So I wanted to, to make some nice, easy shooting 20-gauge loads. So I got some tungsten and jumped on the press and knocked out some stuff for him. And I thought, well, I'll shoot some stuff, load some stuff up for me. So we got to, uh, got down there Jonesboro, and I'm left-handed, so I'm always on the right hand of the line. Mm-hmm. And the guides were noticing that there was all kinds of shit falling in their eyes, and birds are falling on our end of the line. And they said, what? in the hell are you guys shooting down there? So I tossed these hand-loaded <laughs> shells down, and they said, hell no, I'm not shooting that stuff. That's some some hand-loads. I'm not, that's not my thing. I said, that's fine. So the third day after we, we were getting ready to go home, one of the guys said, tell you what, if you got any of them shells left over, I'll shoot them. I said, yeah, here you go. Have whatever I had left. I maybe had 50 of them. Fast forward a year, sold the business, was only working one full-time job, and we go back, and the guides then said, did you bring any more of that ammo with you? So I started thinking, I'm like, well, why do you want to want to shoot it now? They said, man, we we sent the rest of that stuff out after you left, and we cannot believe how good it is. Yeah. I thought, all right, well, that's cool. So my wife is on me now, because we're a couple weeks into after me selling, you know, after me selling that business, and like I told you, if I'm not working... I can be kind of a pain in the ass to live with. So she said, Brandon, you need to find something to do because you're driving me nuts. So it was a combination of her telling me I needed something else to do and these guys guides down working for Matt that told me what we had was really, really good. So the first year I was shooting a tungsten shell. The second year I was shooting a bismuth shell. And I was starting to think that maybe I could have a small little business that would supplement you know what we're doing in metal finishing and uh be able to go on some hunting trips and have a good time spend a hobby time. just a small a, little a, business. A hobby business make make a little money to 
Piper hunting trip. Cover the fuel in my airplane to fly around and pay pay the guides and cover, you know, all the lodging and all that. Because around here, it's not necessarily really good hunting until you get to the late season. But Right. So I ended up talking to Matt, and I said, Matt, you know, we got this this shell that your guides really love. I'm thinking of starting a small business. What do you think? Would you help me get this thing going? And he said, tell you what, my guys are heading to Saskatchewan in a week and a half. I'm already here. You got to get shells to me and we can put them through their paces and tell you if it's good or not. So you got to talk to Corey Loeffler and he's coming up. You know Corey. Yeah. Did you know Corey at the time? Didn't know him from Adam. Okay. So I met this guy named Corey, Minnesota boy, funnier than hell. I mean, just... <laughs> Everybody listening to this man Corey Loeffler on his podcast. They know Corey now. Trust me. Oh, shit. So, yeah, Corey's like, well, send us up this and this and this. I'm thinking, my God, I can't make this many cases off of a, a single-stage mech 600 that's 40-some years old. And every time I, I got to pull the handle five times to get a shell out. But I did, so we got this stuff out, and uh, Corey ended up calling me on the way back, because now, you know, Corey and I got to be buddies, and he said, this is some pretty wicked stuff, and it was fours and sixes what I sent up for them to shoot snows in. Wow. Fours and sixes. Two and three quarter inch, ounce and a quarter payload. Yep. Clear hulls. Maybe they, I think they were clear. You could see through them. And that's that's the other thing that freaked those guys out. Clear holes are like, I'm not looking at that. I mean, that that's funny looking shit. I don't want to shoot that. Yeah. Anyway, Corey's like fours and sixes for snow goose hunt. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So Corey says, because he he knew by now I was kind of thinking of making a hobby out of this. He said, by this time I already knew Corey. I found out about his business. I had ordered some calls from him. Had a couple t-shirts, sweatshirts, and I got this catalog. And it's a really nice book that he puts together sure, that he sends yeah, out with his orders. Yeah. So he ends up telling me, he says, he goes, uh, you know, this this book that you, or this business that you want to do, he's like, you really might be onto something, and I think you should talk to one of my buddies that I know. His name is Lee Chose. And I said, okay, what does Lee do? He's like, well, he's a marketing guy. And I said, does he do your marketing? Like, that catalog you have is pretty freaking killer man i mean it's good stuff and he kind of chuckled and he laughed he said he's like no 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 i i wish lee could do my stuff but it's what he does is way beyond what we can do i said all right well i'll call this guy so Corey sent me his phone number and down the path i went trying to get a hold of lee chose so after oh shoot probably two weeks of back and forth trying to connect with this guy I end up getting a call back, and I'm mowing my lawn right over, like, 100 yards that way. Mowing my lawn in the zone, making nice straight lines, sucking up every blade of grass. Shit's looking good. My phone rings, and I shut the mower off, and I proceeded to talk to Lee for about 45 minutes straight. And I kind of told him what I wanted wanted to do, and he told me that... You know, well, fours and sixes are cool on snows because I shoot number seven tungsten at everything. I don't care if it's a diver, if it's a mallard, if it's a goose. That's what Mm. I shoot, number sevens. And you know Lee, too. I mean, he's not going to bullshit you, and and 
he'll put the fear of God in you and say, if I'm going to do anything, it better be good. That's right. So I knew I had to have the product. And based on what I heard from Matt's guides, Corey, and what I'd seen it do personally, I, I thought we might have it. So Lee says, send me some stuff and I'll, I'll let you know. So I thought, my God, man, if I, if I got to hang with number seven tungsten, I got to have something good. So I loaded him up some number fives, thinking that textbook math would put us right on the same page as the number seven tungsten. And I sent them to him. And Lee's not going to blow sunshine up anyone's ass, I don't no, think, no. unless, unless it's well deserved. Yeah. And even then, I, it wasn't complimentary at all. But he said, I think we got something here. So I knew I checked that box and I at least had Lee Lee behind this and he knew that what we had was something that nobody else had. So that's how the number five got to be as popular as it is. Lee Lee scared me into making sure that I had good product that could be on an equal playing field with what he's used to shooting. And we did that, just so happened to be a number five shot. So the boss five is what it is because You know a crazy thing I collect? I tell people all the time I don't collect ducks. I collect experiences. Mm-hmm. But I do collect stuff. I pick stuff up. Like I've got this thing for uh, homemade silhouette decoys. And uh, gunning decoys, but silhouettes. I, mm-hmm. Don't ask me how that got started, but when I see one, I pick it up. Another thing I've got a collection of are, are ammo boxes. But not just any ammo box. Yeah, I'll pick up an ammo box, you know, from this country or that country or with this kind of... But the big thing is, is the number five. Mm-hmm. Because in my, my humble opinion, a number five imperial-sized lead pellet is, is the duck-killing thing ever ever made. And, and down, in, <clears throat> down in, you know, down in uh, Australia, they shoot, uh, my buddy Glenn Fowler has got, he used to work with Winchester and developing steel loads and invented a, uh, a two and three-quarter inch number five steel load that's not available in America. Mm-hmm. In terms of steel shot, that's that's a pretty darn good. You, you got to choke tight, but it's pretty darn. I mean, it's one of the best duck loads I've ever shot. You know, and, and my thing too is like one of them was had to make sure Lee was happy with what we were what we were making, and two, I like I like being different. Odd numbers are cool. Prime numbers are cool, but ones, threes, five, sevens. That's that's cool, man. Like. Yeah. All your steel shot you're gonna get a a BB two four maybe a steel six if you're shooting ducks in close. But it's all even number stuff. So I knew, in order for us to, and I don't know shit about marketing or didn't know. I know a little more now, getting to hang with Lee for a year. But I knew that we had to be different. Yeah. And honest to God, I mean the reason why we put these things in ounce and a quarter shell is because you didn't need a three inch shell. Because you know the metal's a little denser, but an ounce and a quarter is a nominal duck hunting or goose hunting payload. And so what? We put in a two and three quarter inch shell. That that didn't mean shit to me. That's fine. But that whole thing, the number five, the short shell, took on a life of its own, and uh, it really got the conversation rolling. And I knew in order to be different, we had to come up with something cool. And everything we do, whether it's from you know the packaging we put it in, the way we sell it, the way we talk to the customers, we. It's just got to be different. I mean, I'm a, I'm a different dude. I mean, you know me. I'm, Hell I'm, yeah. You're, you're, you're I, driven. You know, I can remember in the early 90s, and I'm, I'm guessing here, but I'm going to say in uh, fall of 89, 
and I'm, I may be off a little bit, but I'm going to say, and uh, now I'll take it back in the fall of 1990. I think uh, first year I, of the band. I, went, I went to go buy shotgun shells. I was working on a ranch in Texas, 30 miles behind a lock gate, and and there was steel shot. I'm like, what is this? And the store shop owner was like, well, it's optional this year, but it's going to be to where you can't shoot ducks with lead mm-hmm. anymore. I loaded down on lead that year. The next year, 91, it was mandated, steel shot. And and it was just uh, I don't know how many ducks were ingesting lead and and dying later, but uh, but I know a lot of ducks flew off into the horizon, hit carrying with, steel with the, with the steel shot I was shooting, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and and you know, and so now for thirty years, my son Forrest, twenty two years old, uh, all, all my kids have been shooting steel shots. It's the only thing they've ever had a choice of. I've been shooting now for thirty years. And then they came along with this this tungsten. I'm getting around to a question here. They came along with this tungsten, which was heavier than lead. It was non toxic. Why why did uh why did you choose to go with the bismuth tin alloy instead of with? I know you're looking for something better than steel, but but why did you choose bismuth tin alloy instead of tungsten? I could. Well, we we knew that it worked. We knew that it worked. And having loaded tungsten one year, bismuth the next, and not seeing too much noticeable difference led me to believe that we were really onto something. Secondly, manufacturing, I'm bismuth and tin are low melt alloys, and it's something I could rather easily ah. develop inside the plant and not have to have huge investments. Up for initially, like yeah, on the yeah, prototyping yeah. I didn't phase, think about that. like I was able to run shot for a couple hundred bucks, and and actually make a go of alloying bismuth and tin together, and and make like sixes, fives, that kind of thing. Well, um, I can remember back in the good old days when when they first came out with steel, a lot of papaw guns were getting damaged yep. shooting this newfangled steel shot because it was trying to go through those old conventional choke barrels, right. like like you know. Kids today uh, that didn't that, that, that didn't lap lead versus steel, they don't remember the days that when you bought a shotgun, you bought the one that had the choke you wanted to shoot, modified, full, improved. Right. I mean, you didn't have a bunch of screw-in right. choke to put in there. Right. That right. that's a function of having the steel shot stuff come along with. Even a modified choke mm-hmm. today is more open constriction than Papaw's gun had. Right. Those were whole different type gun they had to do it to balance the energy equation shooting this steel shot am i right mm-hmm. now we oh, yeah. got because you know the and, energy and, equals mass plus velocity and well we got 36 percent the mass of lead so we got to really crank up the speeds right but drag increases at a square speed so you got to move in order to get steel to to carry the same energy as lead you have to move it like lead moving at 1250 you got to move steel like i'm going to say Unless I work out the math, it's got to be two thousand feet per second or north of it. Same size pellet. Or nobody putting put no. out two thousand. No, 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 no. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to do. Yeah. So that going back to it, like, so we knew we knew bismuth was close on the periodic table to lead. It was almost as dense. Um, it was the barriers for me to enter that or at least develop it in house with what I had at my disposal was a short putt. I mean we we could do it. So we ended up quickly finding out there's severe limitations trying to make shot for a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it, <laughs> but, but it, we, we bridged that gap. 
you know. So, but and again, my my first rem- memories going hunting with my dad were I was again five years old, maybe six, and we went up to the GMU and he was shooting geese, and to see the group of guys there were him and, and two other guys that were hunting with with him, and to see how those birds folded in the air and just like dead. It left an impression on me that when I picked up hunting years later on my own, steel come out, birds didn't die like they did back then. They they just didn't. So I was always chasing this like, man, things were so much better way back when. Back in the day, like when my dad took me out in the early 80s, this is what we did. And I guess it kind of dates myself. I'm only 37, but I know now when we're at trade shows... If I see a guy and he don't have gray hair, he don't know what lead was like. No. That's that's the thing. You've got to be almost 50 years old to have experienced pulling the trigger, shooting lead shot. And it it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but, I mean, it has been. It's been 30 years. Prior, prior to the inception of steel, I shot two and three quarter inch, whatever my granddad bought, Remington Mohawk. Federal, whatever, but it was two or three quarter inch, twenty gauge, sixes or seven and a half. Mm-hmm. With, with, with a fact, with a, with a factory modified, it came. It was just the barrel was built. It was a modified barrel, not yep. a choke modified barrel. Yep. And uh, and and so, what I've noticed is, uh, break break. I, I kind of got into the equation with Boss, is I had stopped last year when coming through coming through Minnesota. I stopped by to see Zach Meyer. And I can't remember what we walked out to his truck to get, but he's got like those, uh, one of those beds with the pull-out oh, drawers. Oh, decked. Yeah, decked. Deck. And he pulled yeah. it out, and I'm like, and right there, on the, I, see, I see these boxes say, boss, and I go, is that that ammo Matt Shower told me about? He goes, yeah, that, that, that's that. And he started giving me a couple of boxes. So I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot these when I get home, you know. And duck season came around, and uh, I was shooting the choke I would shoot steel shot with, which is a little more open than you'd want to shoot lead mm-hmm. or business with but I adjusted and I was pretty darn impressed in fact I saved some and I went down to uh, Mexico last year where we still shoot lead those Aguilera shells and they're good shells they shoot sixes they shoot fours but they don't have fives and I had these business fives and I and I just reached in my bag and pulled them out and dumped them in my pocket and I was in the blind with two riders um and they started making note. I mean, I don't know what they heard or saw other than the dust getting clobbered, but they started commenting about it. And I gave them each one shell. I didn't have to put the box of 20. I didn't have, like, endless <laughs> amount to spare, you know. And uh, and, and th- that was my first that was my first hint that, you know, all things equal. I'm, I'm shooting two and three quarter inch shells. They're not knocking my fillings loose. Three and a half. Who, who shot three and a half? There wasn't such a thing until steel shot come along. I, I really, I did not know. know anybody, the grown men I hunted with, they didn't shoot three inch lead shot. They shot two and three quarter inch at everything, mm-hmm. and uh, and so th- that was kind of how it flew up on my radar. Was like, wait a minute, for thirty years I've had to shoot steel. I I don't have uh, I sell duck hunts for a living. I don't have four dollars a trigger pull to shoot tungsten at right. birds, you know. But but right. all of a sudden I don't have to. I've got. A new option available, and and that that's what really, and it's two and three quarter inch, so I don't have to, you know, that, that's, hurt myself. You know, when when I really got ate up with with waterfowl hunting, I was 
just out of college, 22 years old, married, didn't have a mortgage yet. I was paying rent. And I remember burning paychecks. Like we were living paycheck to paycheck. You know how it is when you first get married. I mean, it's, you're one paycheck away from financial disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and and I would get paid on Mondays. Everyone else got paid on Thursdays. My parents owned, owned the business. So I was able to get paid, paid the day they got payroll. And if I didn't go to Gander Mountain or Cabela's, I was on. Herders was still around back then. I was burning paychecks. And I knew how addictive this sport can be. And... How sometimes at the at the end of the money, there's not enough month left over, you know? Right. So, at the same... On the flip side of that, I'm, I'm kind of soft when it comes to crippled, wounded animals and that whole thing. And I don't like seeing anything suffer. So, I knew that, that what we had cleaned or killed way cleaner, way fewer cripples. And it, it brought me back to those days when I was five years old in the cornfield with my dad shooting geese. And they, they, that's right. You and, know, what, and, and I knew that that if we could sell this thing direct, n- nothing against independent retailers, but I got major issues with big box guys. I mean, everyone who knows me knows that. But we had to figure out a way to get these shells in the hands of working guys, guys that that have to work for for a living, and they deserved quality ammunition. So. The direct model was it, and Lee was in full agreement with what we wanted to do, and here's what we got. You got lead-like performance, and you're not paying that much more. You're, you're, we were talking uh, dinner tonight. You know, Boss Ammo is, is within 15 or 20 cents of... Oh, I, I want to say gimmicky, but I want to say... Steel. Some of the Yeah, some of the craft... Steel shot at the bank. Mm-hmm. Within twenty, you're looking at four dollars a case, mm-hmm. four bucks. Uh, uh, regular folks like me can afford a four dollar difference for a, for a better shell, right? You know, what I'm saying everybody can. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I would, when, I, like I said, I'm 22 years old, married, paying rent, car payment, all that stuff. I mean, you're going to the store buying. I'm not going to say the cheapest shit you can buy, but you know, some. I mean, that's. You gotta do what you gotta do, you, though. Yeah, if you want to hunt, like I said, there's not enough money at the end of the month. The last thing people buy are their shells. That's right. And I can tell you, I thought patterning a three and a half inch super mag meant shooting a piece of cardboard, looking at it, and saying, "Okay, that looks all right." I didn't know shit about that back when I was a kid. Right. Nothing. Um, so I knew, I knew what we had to do, and it was an uphill climb. And and sometimes you got to be loud, you got to be different to get that attention. Um, but right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's doing it. It's doing it. You know, it. that brings up a couple of good points is, is I noticed looking at y'all's Instagram feed, your social media feed patterning is a huge thing. And it's been, it's been 30 years since I shot anything at paper. And that was when steel shot came out. We all knew we couldn't shoot granddad's gun. Mm-hmm. We had we had these new screw in chokes. We knew we had to open up, and we knew we better go out because brand to brand it differed, load to load it differed, shot size it differed. We need to go out and at least shoot something so we'd have an idea of what worked good for us. And 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 so thirty years ago, I can remember going out and and shooting a cardboard box or something like right. that. But y'all have brought back all of a sudden. It's like it's like Lee says all the time. You know. 
the whole conversation. If you're an archer, you're walking to your back porch or going to your deer stand and shooting every single day, slinging arrow after arrow. If you're if you're a big game hunter, you're you're zero in your guns. You know what your range is. And, you know, those animals deserve that. I mean, we kind of need to know what our guns are patterning. And y'all have brought that right. whole concept of responsible hunting back. Well, and I I think maybe maybe one of two things. Maybe it's lead work that well or steel doesn't work that good. Where whenever you're hunting, I mean, the advantages are always in your favor. Whether you're deer hunting or elk hunting or whatever. I mean, it's... The animal that you're hunting does not know that it's being hunted. That you got, you got the upper hand, and I think steel was detrimental to both the hunter and the game because it maybe equalized things. Maybe that bird's going to die when you pull the trigger. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's going to get hit. Maybe it'll carry shot out and die later on. Hunting is an imperfect sport. It's a game of errors, a lot like baseball. I mean, we're shooting a pattern of lethal stuff. But but maybe you're a little ahead, a little behind, a little high, a little low. Maybe a stray pellet hits him. Maybe hit him in the head, maybe hit him in the tail feathers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and big game hunting and bow hunting and, is really not too much different. And, and the whole thing with us really, really getting behind patterning your gun, I mean, that's that's me being maybe a little geeky, as my wife would say. Um, but to me, I, I think, and I, I told you when you patterned your, your gun with at our shop a couple weeks back, if you can shoot that piece of cardboard and visualize what your pattern looks like at various yardages one way or another you're going to remember that whether it's subconsciously or whatever that when you're in the field and you're going to take that shot on the duck you know what's going to happen when you pull that trigger what whether it's at 30 or 40 yards or 20 yards you're going to be able to create that visual picture so when you send that shell down range you know what you're doing and bringing awareness to that you know patterning and what does density look like and this and that all this higher level conversation that no one's ever talked about before is getting people out there first off it's engaging them in a passion that we all share year round it's bringing awareness to cripples and clean kills the difference between those two and it's it's just elevating everyone's game that i think if you take the sum of all the parts that we put together, it's it's raising the bar, whether it's ammunition or hunt success or hunter proficiency. It, it's more than just getting out there and pulling the trigger. That's right. Yeah. That that I agree. I agree entirely with that. You know, coming coming uh, here, whatever it was, a month or so ago, and has it been our, that long already? Well, well, it's been it's been yeah, a it's month. Been, yeah, it's been a month. But we were talking at game fair. And you're, you know, uh, you were asking about my patterns and asking, you know, and I said very honestly, I said, well, Brandon, I, I just really shoot at ducks, and if, if 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 I'm crippling a few too many or they're winging off a little funny, I know I need to tighten up. I, I really just was kind of sort of patterning in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, after looking at all those pattern boards you had for all the different shot sizes and all the different yardages, it just made me cognizant that you know I needed to step up my game. Mm-hmm. I, I needed to be a little bit more of a conscientious hunter. And so when I came here and we started patterning, it was very, very eye-opening for me. To, uh, we chose 40 yards because mm-hmm. I will shoot 40 yards on, on a slipping bird. And uh, and we put in all those chokes, and, and it was very, very eye-opening to see exactly what I had been shooting. That that mm-hmm. that, that and, and so now I'm that guy. I want to know what I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't really think about when the birds are flying, but I know if, if the birds are hitting 30 yards inside the decoy and they're coming in with that 30-yard mark, I know which choke I'm going for. And I know on those days that they're not going to give me that all the time, I know I know which choke I'm going well, for. Well, and the thing is, it's bringing awareness to it, and it's, it's like I said, it's upping everyone's, everyone's game. And like you and Jake and Lee talked about it, was it last week on, on That was Rocky. I was just fixing to bring Rocky. that up about about the disposability. Why, why, yeah. why? Well, is it is it because you can shoot four mallards that doesn't matter if you cripple three of them? When you know That's crazy. People will make themselves sick if they if they gut shoot or or wound an elk. I mean that that thing will haunt them for the rest of their life. Yeah. But they shoot a duck and it drops its leg and flies off and dies. Oh well I'll just shoot me another one. Yeah. That's bullshit. I agree. I, I I hate I hate to say it, but I agree. And I, I I have seen enough hunting shows where, you know, I tell you what looks good on film. If you're making a TV show, is when the head stops and the body don't, and that bird that bird hits the water and he's stone cold dead. And the flip side of that is the worst thing you can feel is, and I've done it, where you hit that bird going out of the decoy as it drops its left leg, and you know it's not going to live, right? But you know you're not going to get it. Yeah, and and you know I, I I watched the conversation evolving on y'all's uh, Instagram page, which has just got a tremendous amount of engagement. In fact, Brandon, I, you know I, we talked about this uh, months ago. Now, part of what lured me as a hunter and as a person to the boss narrative was y'all's social media. It, it the brand itself the the no half measures, the uh, that Brandon Soraki himself, Soraki was was speaking, answering those questions to, to people. Anybody had a question, the, the level of engagement, the, the questions, the, the bring of awareness, it just it just it resonated with everything I feel like I am as a duck hunter. Well, that, it, that's what that's what brought me in the photo. I said, wait a minute, you know, all of a sudden these guys are shooting two and three quarter inch shells. There's no hype, gimmicky marketing. There's no. Funny shaped pellets. There's no funny shaped angle, and and here are guys that are preaching all of a sudden to know your load, know your hunting style, shoot an ammo that's going to kill birds, instead of what I've seen emerge in in the marketing business for shooting ammo, which is we've got the finger of God inside this shell. You too can shoot a bird at 250 yards. Just mm-hmm. pull the trigger. Am I right? I mean, that, that's how the, it, it's like it's you're taking regular guys and saying, look. This is the hottest thing. You can kill a bird from here to outer space. Well, Just pull the trigger. I think, I think it has gotten out of hand. And Lee and I both work other jobs. You know, we don't we don't need to sell these shotgun shells right. for us to feed our families. I mean, that, that's just that's not that's a luxury that we both enjoy for the hard work we've put in for our entire lives. There you go. What we do have is a great product. But even better than that, we've got a story, and we want to tell it, and we want to share that that information with anybody who wants to listen. So, if someone asks a question, you know, Lee and I are two different; we're a generation apart. We see the world from different different eyes, but we all see the same questions and conversations. Right. So, we can have those that dialogue, and it not be a sales pitch or a marketing gimmick you want to hear the truth our opinion 
here it is. You don't like it? That's fine. You can't make everyone happy. We're not going to try to pander or create a, a bullshit story just to try to sell some some product. That's not right. who we are. Never, never ha- at least me, never has been, never will be. I'm w- way too grounded to, to pull some shit like that. I agree. I told what 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 next for boss shot chills? Where I mean I know I know from <laughs> I know from, from meeting with well, you like I know from meeting with you the first of the month and now I'm meeting with you at the end of the month, I know mm-hmm. that just in thirty days it, it, it it's the demand and, and the and the and the love of what y'all are doing has just you've gotta be proud when you go when oh. your head when your head hits the pill at night, come on Brandon, you've gotta say, Wow. You know, I've been telling people that I've been fortunate enough to never feel like I've ever had to really work. I mean, certain things are tough. If but you love nothing, what you do, it ain't absolutely, work. absolutely. And the and like I said, I've had some success in business over the course of my years, you know, working and and I half jokingly say I'm at a point in my life where if I don't enjoy what I'm doing I'm not going to do it right and if anything ever truly becomes a job for me I really need to evaluate some of the choices I'm making in my life so my wife is she's heard enough of boss I mean that's a four letter word to her <laughs> but but for, <laughs> I'm sure Lee's wife Bonnie would agree but for the, you know, it, it's so much fun. It's it's absolutely a pleasure to be able to to wake up in the morning, get to go to work, and can't feel, wait to get to work. Oh, I mean, I've always felt that way about everything I've ever done. You know, when I'm not at my home around my family, but even then, I mean, this last year has been so great to know that like we're actually making a difference, not in the industry, but like I. Maybe it may be a little arrogant to say, but I think that we're on the start of something that could actually change the tone and the conversation and the way people talk about conservation. Yeah, I agree. And and it needs to be changed. It, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a discussion and it's a thought process, in my humble opinion, that needs some correction. Well, and it's not, again, like... Like I said earlier, it's there's no bullshit. Like we feel very passionately about what we talk about, what we make. Everything that embodies boss is the honest to God's truth from the people you hear it from. Yeah. And we care about migratory animals. We care like the migration of the snow goose who people want to discredit and give all kinds of derogatory names to is one of the most fascinating animals I think I've ever read and studied, hunted, One of my seen. favorite geese in the world, yeah. I mean, they're the, from the constant hunting pressure to the thousands of miles they migrate to just everything that they do. And yet they survive like fire ants. Yeah. Yeah. And in an environment that's as bleak as a damn dirt field, and they can, they can still exist. People need to talk about that more and understand. It's not about posting an image of 20 of these things next to the guy piled up look at what i kill that's not what it's about that may be the end result of is harvesting that game but by and large man i mean it's it's a bigger purpose if we can be one little cog in that wheel of of having higher level discussions i think the entire community benefits 
Guys, this is Ramsey Russell. You can follow me on at Ramsey Russell Get Duck. Y'all tune in and check out Boss Shot Shells too.